0: Hello and Salaam. Welcome to Muslim Viewpoint, a new podcast series powered by American Muslim Today. We are a groundbreaking nonprofit digital newspaper who champions civic engagement. AMT informs and empowers the diverse voices of almost 30 million Muslims here in the US and other Western countries. I'm Rifat Malik. I'm AMT's editor-in-chief. And today, we have an interview with attorney Lubna Shuja, who is the first South Asian First Muslim and only the seventh female president of the Law Society of England and Wales in its nearly 200 year history. She shares her plans to improve the lives of community members and practicing lawyers as well as her perspective on why diversity in the legal world is crucial. She spoke to our reporter Maya Gaylor.
1: and just to be just to be in this role is an immense honor and, and a privilege it really really is. Uh, i mean actually uh, i'm also only the seventh female president so in almost 200 years we've only had seven female presidents uh, and as you said i'm the first asian and the first muslim i mean it's it's an it's an absolute honor and i think it's a real indication of how much our profession is changing i'm really delighted uh, that it's that, that we're starting to see that change and i certainly hope uh, that although I am the first one, I will not be the last one. I hope there will be many, many more coming up uh, after me.
2: Right. And so what do you hope to accomplish in your position as president?
1: Oh, goodness. Well, that's a that's a huge question. Um, so I have a presidential plan uh, which will formulate the basis of a lot of the work that I am doing. Uh, diversity obviously is a very very important part of that plan. Uh, you know, as you've already said, I'm Muslim. I'm 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 uh, Asian. I'm uh, I'm actually from a working class background. Uh, I went to state school here in England, uh, and um, you know, my parents weren't wealthy. I didn't think that I would be able to get. Uh, into law. I didn't think I could become a a lawyer and so it's really really important to me that I do everything that I can to make sure not only that those from Black, Asian, minority, ethnic background and women uh, uh, are able to join our profession and uh, those who have disabilities, uh, those those who are from um, um, you know uh, underprivileged backgrounds It's important to me that they are all able to uh, join our profession, but also that they're able to progress through the profession and get to the senior levels of the profession. Because uh, when I joined the profession, uh, and this was almost 30 years ago, I've been been a solicitor for uh, just over 30 years now. And when I joined the profession, there were only 709 solicitors who were from a black, Asian or minority ethnic background, and there weren't many women in the profession either. Whereas now, I'm really delighted to be able to say that we have got 18 uh, percent. So, the Law Society of England and Wales represents over 220,000 solicitors, uh, and I'm really pleased to say that 18 percent of those are from a black, Asian, or minority ethnic background. And 53%, so over half of those are female. So we see really good good levels of diversity in terms of the overall uh, um, composition of the profession, but we need to see it getting to more senior levels. Then there are other things that I'm working on as well. So um, one of the things that I'm really keen on is work around uh, our justice system and around the Law Society being a really strong voice um, when it comes to speaking up about access to justice, particularly for those people who are from uh, deprived backgrounds, those people who are on a low income, who at the moment are struggling a great deal to be able to access legal advice, uh, we have a lot of issues here in the uh, in England and Wales with legal aid. So legal aid is. Um, where funding is provided to those on very low incomes to help them to get uh, legal advice in certain areas of law. And we have found more over the last few years, many, many uh, solicitors are leaving legal aid work because they can't afford to do it anymore. And that's because the rates are so low. There's been no increase in those rates for uh, almost 25 years. So we've got huge areas of England and Wales where uh, members of the public, if they find themselves in trouble, if they find that they want advice about debt, uh, about housing, about uh, immigration, there just isn't a solicitor nearby that they can get advice from. And that's a really big problem. We also know that our court uh, estate is not in a good condition either. Uh, We've got a lot of problems with courts that are closed Because they're not functioning so for example because the heating system isn't working or the air conditioning isn't working or um, the toilets are not working or the fire alarm isn't working and that means that those courts are out of action uh, until those matters are fixed and that's had a knock-on effect so you know the the, the, uh, problem with um, not having enough solicitors dealing with legal aid work and also not having enough courtrooms that are open, that's having a knock-on effect, which means we've got really, really, really big backlogs with court cases in our courts. And that's not acceptable either. So that's another area uh, that we're doing work in. And, you know, I really want to get members of the public to understand the value that solicitors bring to society. You know, the work that solicitors do, it really underpins society, it underpins uh, you know, businesses, contracts, marriage, divorce, wills, you know, even when people die, you've got to go to a solicitor to help you to sort out the estate and the probate. So for me, it's, you know, I want people to understand why solicitors are valuable and why they're so important in society. Um, you know, because generally people only really understand that when they need to use a solicitor. Uh, and that's when they're in a time of crisis. Or when they're in trouble, uh, or you know, when they when they just need advice on a on a on a particular matter, uh, that's when they'll start to appreciate. You know, what does a solicitor do? How can a solicitor help me? Whereas I want to get much much wider public understanding. You know, this is why solicitors are important in society. So that's another piece of work that I'm doing as part of my presidential plan. And um, another area of work that I'm focusing on is um, uh, 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 ethics which is around, um, you know, where you know, solicitors in England and Wales are actually one of the most highly regulated professionals in the world. Uh, and, you know, we want to do a focus on um, highlighting how well they're regulated and on helping them with guidance and advice when there are those areas where perhaps they need a little bit more support to work out how to deal with things. So for example, climate change, that's a really, really good example, where, um, you know, public opinion is changing, and solicitors need to think carefully about, you know, how do we deal with this within our own businesses, how do we advise clients to help them to be more climate friendly, and what can we do to uh, to, to to really um, you know m- move the move the dial in that in that direction so those are some of the headline i'm also doing a lot of work internationally as well so internationally it's promoting uh, and highlighting uh the uh legal system in england and wales which is one of the most um uh, highly reputed jurisdictions across the world uh, and you know many 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 Um, people from other countries around the world will come to England and Wales with their disputes because they want them to be dealt with here. Um, So in fact, we are the second um, most popular jurisdiction behind America in the whole of the world. Uh, So that's another part of my role, which is going out and promoting that uh, and uh, talking to lawyers all over the world to see what we can learn from them. So that's a very quick canter through <laughs> what I'm doing in my presidential year.
2: Right. It sounds like you have a very solid plan. Um, so in your career, um, you know, you have had a solid career um, and now obviously you're in a position because you have made great success. So have you faced challenges um, perhaps based on your gender, faith, ethnicity?
1: I mean I think everybody faces challenges during uh, during their career there's no doubt about that we all have our own individual challenges depending on you know what our backgrounds are and where we've come from and um, certainly for me as a, a working class uh, person from uh, and I and I'm from the north in yorkshire uh, and also as a muslim woman of course there were challenges that I had to face when I came into the profession and um, there's no doubt I've already explained to you that there weren't many um, uh, solicitors who were black, Asian, or minority, ethnic, uh, there weren't many women, so then when there weren't many people that looked like me when I was coming into the profession, um, as I was uh, going through um, my training, and in fact, even during the early days of my profession, there, there were no mentors that I could turn to or look to that wasn't even a word. That was used at that time. And uh, diversity wasn't something that people talked about at that time. So, you know, for me, I, I really just wanted to be a really, really good lawyer. That was really important to me. I wanted to be a good solicitor. And I got my head down and I just worked really, really, really hard uh, to prove myself and to do the best that I can, uh, that I could do. But, you know, there were challenges. Of course, there were challenges. Um, as, as a Muslim woman from a working class background, I didn't have the same networks that many of my peers might have had. You know, my parents were not professionals. They were not from a working, uh, they were not from a professional background. So they couldn't introduce me uh, to uh, other networks that might be able to help me progress. And certainly when I started working, and when I started going to networking events, it wasn't something that I was used to doing. It was quite an alien um, uh, environment for me. Uh, Most of the networking that I attended, and in fact, many events that revolved around clients and around uh, client hospitality, and even social events at work, they revolved around alcohol. Uh, uh, You know, they'd be in, in, in places like, you know, in bars or in pubs or places where alcohol was served. And, you know that was something that was very alien to me as a Muslim woman. Um, you know, I, I, I've never been in bars or pubs or anything like that, and I didn't, I don't, didn't drink. I don't drink now. I've never drank alcohol in my life, so it was a very alien environment for me, an environment that I wasn't comfortable in. Uh, but I had to deal with it because, you know, at, at that time, thirty odd years ago. That that was how you 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 socialized. That was how you network. So I had to stand there with my with my glass of water or my glass of orange juice and 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 just you know just get stuck in and and do what I needed to do. So that that was quite a big challenge early on. Um, I you know it was a I felt very um it was, I was quite insecure in that environment. It wasn't something that I liked being in, but I but I got used to it and and I had to get used to it. And the other thing that was really challenging for me was um. When I first came into the profession, um, it wasn't unusual um, that women uh, were not allowed to wear trousers. So the very, very first firm that I worked for, they actually had a rule that women couldn't wear trousers. And if you went to court uh, back in the um, uh, 1990s, early 1990s, women didn't wear trousers in court. And I remember... Uh, just recently actually somebody told me a story when I mentioned this, they told me a story and they said to me, they remembered being in court in, in England and a woman was in court and stood up to address the judge in court. And that woman was wearing trousers and the judge actually said to that woman, I can't hear from you. You can't address me because you're not appropriately dressed. And you know, that, that was not unusual. So that was a big challenge when I came into the profession because You know, you have to dress in suits. You know, you're a professional. You want to be appropriately dressed. You wear suits. And, you know, finding skirt suits with very, very long skirts, because you will know as a Muslim woman, you know, when you're if you're going to wear a skirt, it needs to be down to your ankles. You know, that's that's what you are going to do. So it's quite challenging trying to find skirt suits that would allow you to be appropriately dressed at work. Um, but one of the very very early achievements that I had and that I'm really really proud of is that the firm where I was working um, at, at the very start of my career, it took me it took me about four or five years but I managed to persuade them that they had to change this rule of no trousers for women because it discriminated against me as a woman, it discriminated against me as a Muslim um and you know discriminated against all the women in the firm it wasn't just me none of the women could wear trousers so I was really pleased when I managed to persuade them to to change that and uh, you know I was absolutely over the moon when I could go out and buy my first trouser suit that was a great day
2: right and so you've done a lot of work to to accomplish all of this and you, as you mentioned you didn't have any mentors is that correct
1: that's correct yeah
2: Right.
1: So no, I didn't have mentors. Um, I had allies, Mm -hmm. which is slightly different from mentors. Mm -hmm. So I was I was very, very, very lucky throughout the course of my career. I've been so fortunate to work with some absolutely amazing, amazing people. And actually the majority of them have been white males. And you know, they have um, you know, I've been able to turn to them when I've needed advice. You know, I've I've learned from them. They've guided me, and quite often they are the ones who have said to me, uh, "You know, you should you should do that. You'd be good at at that. You should have a go at that. You'd be good." You know, when I think I'm not ready to do something, or when I thought, "Oh my goodness, there's no way I could I could deal with that," they've been the ones that have pushed me gently forward and said, "Actually." you should go for that you'd be really good at it and and that's how opportunities open up. so I've been very very lucky to have allies that have helped me during my career.
2: Yes and then um, so I mean if anyone can speak on this it's you so why do you think diversity is so important in the law profession and serving people?
1: Oh it's absolutely I mean it's so important for a number of reasons. I mean, firstly, it makes it makes really good business sense. First, you know, uh, clients like to instruct people that look like them. They like to talk to people who understand their background, their culture, uh, who understand how they might have got themselves into the situation that they're in. You know, we all we all like to talk to people that we relate to. And, you know, having a diverse workforce is, is, is really important to attracting diverse clients. But equally, a diverse workforce means that you have diversity of thought. So because you have people who have different experiences, different backgrounds, different cultures, different faiths, they will come at problems or, uh, you know, issues with different mindsets, with a different approach, with a different outlook, and that's really, really important for, uh, you know, business, business, uh, problem solving, and, uh, you know, it leads to, (coughs) it leads to making sure that you don't have what we call groupthink in organizations which is not healthy for organizations you know in an organization you want to have diversity of thought you want to hear different opinions you want to hear different thoughts you want to hear different solutions to different problems because that's how you find the best way to deal with matters so that's really important and you know we we need to show that the legal profession is welcoming to anyone and everyone no matter what your background um, no matter what your, uh, uh, you know, social class, your wealth, your uh, faith, your, you know, your religion, your bi- whatever it is, you know, disability, LGBTQ, whatever it is, we are open to everybody. And anyone who has the talent, anyone who has the ambition, uh, you know, they should be able to join the legal profession and be able to progress within it because we should reflect the society that we serve. That's really, really important. Perhaps a, a little bit of advice to anybody who is li- listening. Um, I, I talked about about networking and how I found it difficult to do networking when I was coming into the profession. Uh, and I suppose one of the things that I would say is 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 try and embrace that as early as you can, because networking is really really important. Uh, and the reason for that is because quite often you you might be networking with people that you you know you might be in a in in a room with people that you think are not going to be able to help you progress in your career. But, you know, you should always remember that you don't know who they know. And, you know, if they like you and if they remember you, they may be able to open doors for you and they may be able to lead, you know, give you new opportunities. And, you know, I'm a really, really big believer of take every single opportunity that comes along because you never know where that opportunity will take you or where it will lead you. You know, one opportunity can often open other doors for you. And that's really, really important. Uh, And and the other thing that I would say is always, always, always try to challenge yourself. Get outside your comfort zone, because when you're doing things that frighten you a little bit, that's when you're going to grow. That's when you're going to grow and that's when you're going to progress in your career.
2: That is such good advice. Um, thank you so much for that. And then that kind of does give me one more point. So oh. <laughs> um, what would you say to young Muslims specifically who are interested in becoming a lawyer?
1: Oh, I mean, I would say absolutely go for it. Go, You know, absolutely. It's a fantastic profession. It's very rewarding. Um, You know, if you want to become a lawyer, you absolutely should go for it. And, you know, don't be worried about being Muslim. Don't be worried about your identity. Don't be worried about your faith, embrace it. Because actually your, your, your faith will bring something to the role, that's your USP. And you will have a different perspective from other people. You will attract different clients from other people. And you know, don't hide who you are. Um, you know, embrace who you are because people respect you for that. You know, if they can see that you are, uh, you know, if you, if they can see that you have a faith, that shows that you have discipline. It shows that you have integrity. It shows that you have beliefs and values that are important to you. And often. Um, you know when other people see that they respect that in you so just embrace it and absolutely it's a great profession to join
0: well thank you so much for joining us today from me and maya goodbye we but do be sure to follow us on instagram twitter and tiktok at american muslim today and if you'd like to read more about this story and access more digital content feel free to check out our website americanmuslimtoday.com We'll see you next week on The Muslim Viewpoint.